At KPMG, we make the difference. It's not just something we say. It's what we do. Our professionals believe in the value of collaboration and the power of technology. We work closely with clients to uncover insights that illuminate opportunity, develop bold solutions that innovate industries, and create better outcomes driven by data. Brighter insights, bolder solutions, better outcomes. It's how our people make the difference, driving growth and value for our clients. KPMG, make the difference. Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and with us uh, this week to talk about all things Russia is former Deputy oh, Assistant uh, Secretary of State. I got it right, did I? <laughs> Joel Rubin also it. ran for the also once ran for the office now uh, where Jamie Raskin sits. And I was uh, it was always a pleasure to talk with Joel when he was running, and he's been a frequent guest on today's program. Joel, uh, I guess we'll just start out by just asking you the question that everybody wants: Is there any proof of life on 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 uh, the head of the Wagner Group? <laughs> <laughs> um you know uh uh maybe maybe for a little bit but not for much longer i putin said he respect he'll respect the deal but uh, i mean but we did, haven't seen him really have we i mean the, he long? left he gave a he gave a statement and we're talking about uh you know i hope i pronounce the name right yvengi uh Prigozhin. Prigozhin. he's a Prigozhin. so <laughs> i mean he he announced he was leaving the theater of battle we saw that or we heard that in a tape and we haven't seen him since no he's he's uh he understands what he's now up against he better have a lot of uh 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 tasting testers he better stay away from balconies he better not go to windows um he's gonna be living the dream for the rest of his days (laughs) well who's gonna go first him or or or, uh or or uh putin Vlad the Impaler. No, no uh, the Putin the Impaler. Look, I, I, what I like to say about Putin is is this. I, I was asked in an interview the other night, is this the end of Putin? I'm like, uh, you know, 10 years ago, people thought Assad was done for. He was over. This is the end. They're closing in on him. And then he, um, he got some advice from a certain uh, autocrat that we're talking about right now. <laughs> yeah, Putin. And then... And 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 a couple hundred thousand dead Syrians later, Assad is still there, and now he's been welcomed back into the Arab League. So Putin, he will stick around, and he will make it bloody. The question is, can Russia survive what's coming next? Can Russia actually handle the um, slide into deep autocratic, bloodthirsty leadership that Vladimir Putin is about to engage in? They haven't had this since Stalin. Like Stalin was the last one to really massacre Russians from the leadership position in such a level that Vladimir Putin, you could see potentially him doing this uh, if he has to save his skin. And that is frightening as hell. 
And on that, that's our introduction to this wonderful segment. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll unpack all of that. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content, not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash JATQ podcast. Hi, we are back. It is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Kim with us. Uh, frequent guest, Joel, uh, I'm, I'm just going to, I mean, before we went to the break, you were talking about Stalin-esque slides. And I see that, but I also, there's another parallel that strikes me. Um, there is a war, unpopular in Russia, where many Russians have died. And forgive me, but I also see the 1917 revolution as a, as a precursor to whatever unfolds. Uh, and, and so I don't know, of course, what will happen. Uh, none of us do. But uh, how does Putin survive this and do well for himself and 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 stay in power? Because, look, I mean, I, I get what you're saying about Stalin. He'll slaughter people. I have no doubt that he'll do that. But Russia, I mean, his top henchmen turned on him and said, hey, this is an unnecessary war. And that's yeah. got to carry some weight. And at the very least, you would think that Putin would be weakened a bit by this, yes? Oh, without a doubt, weakened. Yeah. And, and uh, that's when the rat is cornered sometimes. Uh, he strikes He's out. the worst. Yes. But to your point, look, you know, the, the war in Ukraine has clearly not just gone in the wrong direction for Vladimir Putin. Um, let's tick off the list, right? He was invading Ukraine, allegedly, in order to prevent NATO from getting in. NATO is now doubled in size along his border. It's expanded and they're unified. Uh, he was going to extort the Europeans and destroy the European economies if they stood up to him. Well, now Europe has essentially figured out how to get off of Russian energy and uh, move away from importing it. Incredible turnaround. And he was going to easily conquer Ukraine. And now we have several hundred thousand Russians uh, either either dead or, or walking around without limbs. And, you know, what this means is that the Ukraine policy executed by the United States and our allies is working. It is driving Russia into feasting on itself. And this crack in the leadership, this fight between Putin's longtime henchmen, we're not talking about, talking about some dude who just happened in the last year to right. show up Vladimir Putin's orbit. This is one of the original evil despots, one of the original oligarchs, one of the original dirty men for Vladimir for Putin. Putin going back decades. Called him his chef. <laughs> chef. And you know why? He got he got he was, the- <laughs> he was a chef. Well, he learned how to cook in prison for a decade in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about the Wagner group is they're like the Blackwater of the United States. Yes. So they were there oh, doing far worse. stuff. <laughs> they're in a Blackwater in a dictatorship. We know what Blackwater can do even in a democracy. But like Blackwater was, uh, I mean, Blackwater. <laughs> Wagner is basically colonizing and chewing off chunks of Europe and Latin, uh, uh, I'm sorry, of Africa and Latin America and Middle East on behalf of the Kremlin for well over 10 to 15 years now. 
so these two guys are tied at the hip. This is like as close as close can be. This is almost, dare I say, like Trump Pence. And, <laughs> and and they brought out and they brought out the scaffold for him. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> and then in came Mitch McConnell to save the day. Yeah, you know? dun, 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 Mighty Mouse. <laughs> so I, you know, I think Putin's got to be looking over his shoulder. All the elites in Russia who are are bought into this are seriously concerned at this stage. Uh, and so could it be the end of the czar? You know, Tsar Nicholas, when when he got it, he got it, uh, right. he got it correctly. Uh, but either way, the Ukraine policy has now driven Russia into a situation where Russians are killing Russians on Russian soil. And that was never expected. And NATO is now expanded. That was never expected. Russia's economic future is compromised. That was never expected. And so uh, it's a catastrophic, cataclysmic, total unrequited unrequited failure this putin policy the question then of course is how the people around uh, the kremlin get him out and that's why i worry about the bloodletting that that uh, may be coming yeah that that makes a lot of sense and it looks like in the early days now these are just sources i have in in the nsc and inside the administration say it doesn't look like china's going to bail him out either <laughs> and china never really Bad <laughs> pardon that, that's a bad bet for them, for the you Chinese. Think, oh, yeah. I mean, the Chinese are all about money. That's The Chinese don't give a shit about Putin. In fact, if Putin falls, they become the second, you know, above them. They, they you know, it becomes the United States and China as the bipolar extremes. And Russia becomes a, a third world country or second world at the, you know, at least. But we speak about, the policy, what would, what should, what do you think we should be doing going forward? Vis-a-vis -vis Russia? Yes. A couple of very clear going forward scenarios. A, maintaining the cohesion amongst our allies that we currently have. Take a step back for a moment uh, to some of the arguments that have been made against American support for the war, uh, for Ukraine in this war. The primary one is NATO is bad. Imagine a scenario is if NATO were to somehow not have existed over the past 72 hours. Moscow is melting down. They have several thousand nuclear weapons. There is a heinous war criminal seeking to replace another heinous war criminal. All right. And we are sitting there and what's in between us? Europe, NATO. Right. NATO is essential to our security so very clear maintain the nato cohesion they've got a summit in a couple of weeks in, in in lithuania that that is a crucial moment i'd say they should go forward more aggressively now and really lean in now that there is uh uh incoherence in the russian leadership and pull ukraine into nato i actually think that's where we should be going on this at this stage it's clear that ukraine is a nato-ish member and we should be pulling in and create the process and create some diplomatic jujitsu to boot with that uh, force Russia to try to figure out how to uh, explain well, that uh, Ukraine should not be in there. So that's part A. Go ahead. Wait, well, when uh, and, and to your point, uh, that's point A. We'll get to point B in a second. But a quick question on point A. When you talk about that, uh, Biden has already said that there will be no special gifts given that, you know, there'll be no shortcuts in joining NATO, that he'll have to follow 
you know, no, no special treatment. So are you saying there should be special treatment or we should just follow what we should just put it on an accelerated time schedule? What, what are you saying? Yeah. I mean, Finland and Sweden, when they said we're in, we went in, man, they got fast tracked. You know, <laughs> it was like, no, it's not like, okay, we'll see you in 10 years. It's like, okay, yeah. we'll see you in 10 months. Yeah. You, know? hey, well, you got the next train to Moscow. We're on our way. <laughs> man, you know, you know, politics, they're, they're processes yeah. and, and, and then there's priorities. And if the priority outweighs the process, the priority wins. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think that that there's a real play here on that. I think maintain the support with Ukraine, kicking the shit, frankly, out of the Republican uh, dead enders who don't want to support any additional funding for yeah. Ukraine. From a political perspective, that is a really good opportunity. But then on on policy, the second one that does matter, and this is probably the only reason Russia matters, other than its its uh, energy resources, the nuclear weapons. And yeah, I want to get to that in a bit, but let me skip over that to go over to your. You said um, a cohesion and reeling in. What else going forward do you think we should be doing? B maintaining this aggressive support for Ukraine militarily and economically, and keeping them afloat, and continuing to push the advanced weaponry uh, into their arms uh, as it's doing, so they can take advantage of this gap. You you know you think the conscripts getting their heads shot at, handed to them, Ukraine literally. <laughs> are looking around saying, boy, I have a lot of confidence in my chain of command. I really am confident they know what they're doing, right? Like, this is a disaster uh, 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 on all possible levels for Russia right now. And that is when you want to lean in. So now Ukraine, not only are they doing solid on the battlefield, they have a, a, an enemy in disarray, total disarray. And for Putin, you know, just like he has to, question how many troops can i really afford to continue to send into ukraine yeah how many do i want to move out of the kremlin vicinity? how does he get out and save face that's i that's, well this is where this is where the move on nato comes in because if you want to start to organize this to the ultimate end game which is a diplomatic agreement of cessation of hostilities and russia returning to russia right but some kind of negotiated outcome where putin makes the decision this is all assuming he's still in power right right this is the scenario we live in uh he has to decide it's over and this right. means ukraine has to get him there and so adding more additional pressure points and leverage onto the table the military ones and the diplomatic one i'm talking about with nato this is the crucial moment to take advantage of it so tactically that's what we need to be doing and uh uh but to to the other point we have new relationships we have difficult relationships. We have relationships with everyone. Secretary Blinken was out in China a couple of weeks ago. Not yeah, it's like a hillbilly family feud. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is like, this is what diplomacy is. Diplomacy <laughs> is not people sitting around tables and smoking cigars and, and loving each other. This is, this is, this is a full contact sport with everything but like beating each other up. This is like, well, we've seen that too. So that's. <laughs> Look, you know, then they, they send in the military to kick 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 in uh, kick down the door. But but I think you know the fact that Blinken was out in China, the fact that the Chinese understand that investing more in Russia would be a bad bet. Uh, there's an opportunity to lean in more with those who get in Putin's ear to tell him. So to part him. of going forward would be leaning into China more, leaning into China, leaning in uh, to Iran, frankly, leaning into the UAE 
countries who are backing and supporting Russia and getting them to tell Putin, it's time. You have lost. This is not going well. It will only get worse for you. Look at what just happened. And so pushing uh, amongst our adversaries the message that they need to get Putin to call it off. <laughs> tell the guy to go home. <laughs> the party's hey, over now. <laughs> Pack I mean, it up, have some vodka, relax. Yeah. <laughs> I always look at him as a modern day Napoleon. He's five, six, 150 pounds, balding. I just I just pictured Putin as a modern day Napoleon, Napoleon and he just met his Waterloo. Um, but that's uh, maybe I'm wrong. So anything else going forward? Before We're going to take a short break. I want to come back, talk about the nuclear problem and, of that's course, the Republican response. But before we do that, is there anything else we should do going forward? Right now, those are the primary ones. And of course, then the big the big one, the overall one, is maintaining the continual care and feeding of our allies in NATO and elsewhere as they go through this and letting them know that we are providing security assurances to them as well as they are to us. Because this is an incredibly destabilizing moment from a strategic perspective about how to ensure that any scenario like a collapse of Russia, like we had the collapse of the Soviet Union 30 something years ago, yeah, that will not end in total global meltdown. And so these relationships right now that Joe Biden, I'll sound partisan here, but that Joe Biden built and rebuilt after Donald Trump nearly destroyed them. Thank God he is president. And thank God that he is rebuilding those relationships. Because if Donald Trump was here right now, the exact opposite would be happening, and we. Oh, would you would Putin would be winning. Yeah, yeah, no it's, doubt. That's uh, because he had already said he would give. You know, end up. You know, I there would be no war. Of course, there would be no war. We'd be on his side. We'd, be over. On, <laughs> we'd walk in. Ukraine would be ours. I'll stop. I'll have a Trump Tower right there in Kiev. It'll be beautiful, biggest, best ever. Yeah, I could see it. Uh, so anyway, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we do want to talk about the nuclear problems that are involved and more importantly, um, how this plays in our country and the Republican response. So stick around and we'll be right back. Hey, you. Yeah, you. We're talking to you and we need your help. Seriously. As you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash JATQ podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve. Hi, we are back. It is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Caraman. With me now is former Deputy Assistant Secretary of State. Man, I even got that out in one one word Woo! or one breath. Uh, Joel Rubin. Uh, and Joel is with us talking about Russia and the problems, the surprise that happened uh, this, this weekend. Uh, to recap, uh, the whole world was taken by surprise. When uh, Yevgeny, I can't pronounce his first name, Yevgeny, Prigozhin, I can say Prigozhin, the head of the of 
of uh, the Wagner group, not the Wagner group. Like, you know, there was a reporter in the press briefing room who called it the Wagner group. And he said, what do you call it? A mutiny? Do you call it a, a and it was, uh, I, I, I was uh, uh, John Kirby. You said, look, we're not going to slap a bumper sticker on it, Ed. <laughs> Which was the uh, only uh, the uh, best uh, answer I've ever heard from the uh, in my life to a stupid question. <laughs> that says, look, we're not going to slap a bumper sticker. I, it, was, it was, if he had done it in Rodney's voice, I couldn't have been any better, but just the slap back because it's, this is serious stuff. And I, I often say reporters are not, we don't have the the background to handle this or to even understand the questions or the, or the situation. So let's start with the, the obvious one, a, a teetering Russia, as with a teetering Soviet union, when it fell apart, the biggest question was, and, and there's no, first of all, there is no doubt that whatever else happened this weekend, when uh, Prigozhin took his Wagner group, uh, rebelled against Moscow, said he was going to march on Moscow. There were rumors that, <laughs> that Putin had fled Moscow to go to one of his mansions. I'm getting the hell out of here. <laughs> and, and, while vowing to smite the guy. And uh, because he said it was ridiculous, the two generals running the, uh, the Ukraine war were horrible and getting people killed for no reason, which has resonance all across the world, not just in particularly in Russia, but everywhere that that resonates. And so the Wagner group being mercenaries and criminals anyway, for for Russia turns on on Putin that weakens. There's no way you can look at it as a sign of strength. It is a problem. So there are those who believe that Russia is teetering. Now, he did stop. He did strike a deal, supposedly. I, I guess the big winner is uh, Belarus. I mean, the, the leader there, hey, I struck a deal. I'm a criminal, but look, I can come to a deal. I'm a diplomat. I believe, but nonetheless, so he he splits, and now we have no proof. We really haven't seen him since then, but you know, supposedly the people who followed him are going to be given a, a pardon. He's getting a pardon, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? And they're going to be given new faces and new fingerprints. Yeah, too. that's so. All of that signals a weakening of the Russian regime, and I don't think anyone will dispute that. But the problem is, as when the Soviet Union teetered, what happens with nuclear weapons? Is this is this an actual concern? Command and control of the nuclear forces in Russia is that something? And we have seen. On the black market, things tried to being you know tried to sell them, and that certainly it's been the basis for a lot of bad movies. But nonetheless, is this a problem that we have to address? So a couple of top line points uh, on this. Uh, first and foremost, if, if there ever was an argument as to why we need a world without nuclear weapons, oh this please, could be it. Yeah, right? like this is why it's just such a bad freaking idea to have nuclear weapons excuse me i know in the podcast i should well ah, fuck it <laughs> <laughs> go for right. it fuck it you know, they, why are there nuclear weapons and why are they in countries that are completely unstable unstable where rogue war criminals can take over the capital and grab the crown jewels this is crazy that's part a yes now part b is uh uh Apparently, according to public reporting, our intelligence community says that there was no change in the posture at the time of the nuclear arsenal. We watched that very closely. We have been watching them very closely for years. They watch us. 
anyone can detect any change. And there has not been a change since the war was launched about 16 months ago either uh, in the nuclear positioning of the Russian arsenal, thank God. Uh, but let's go to a couple data points. Uh, when the Soviet Union fell and the United States and Soviet Union were, were, were um, you know, sort of at their peak in the 80s, in fact, there were about 50,000 uh, deployed strategic nuclear warheads between the two of us. At this moment in time, still, the United States and Russia control 90% of the world's nuclear weapons. Russia has roughly 6,000. Now, there have been studies commissioned that if Pakistan and India were to go at it. And, and how many do we have? We we have about a little over, uh, about close to 5,000. We're a little less than, than, than the Russians are. And they can still stars. blow up the world how many times? Well, this is where I was going to go. Or Pakistan, yeah. India, there are studies that if they went at it and they don't like each other, with 100, 100, there would be a nuclear winter and at least a billion people would die. All right. So I think we, I think we, you know, yeah, we could kill 60 billion people. Being that there are only about eight or so billion in the world, that's not very good. <laughs> it's like I can guy, do the math. It's like getting <laughs> or seven sentence, and a half times. You know, here's your life sentence, a thousand years, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, it, you know, at a certain point, you can't die more than, than a couple of times, right? So, so that's the problem we have. Um, and, and, and everybody knows it. Now, in 91-ish, after the Soviet Union collapsed, uh, first of all, we were communicating with Yeltsin at yeah. that time. And so we had a guy on the inside who was publicly popular on the outside and, and worked. We don't have anyone like that right now. There's no uh, one there. He's killed. Zavalny is the closest he's gotten. He's in prison. Navalny's in prison. And so yeah, we're not Navalny. talking. It's a problem. Uh, the other thing that was interesting is that after the fall of the Soviet Union, nuclear weapons were spread across the Soviet Union in places that are now countries like Ukraine, Ukraine. <laughs> and, and Ukraine got rid I of remember. them. Remember, got rid of them. You know, there was a robust effort, a, a program called Non Luger, which was named after two leading senators, bipartisan, who created a program in the '90s to decommission nuclear uh, weapons in the former Soviet Union. Uh, we paid their nuclear experts lots of money to move here to do research here. We essentially converted their uh, weapons expertise into civilian uh, activities in the West. A lot of effort. See, so we they, had a precedent for that, didn't we? It was after World War II. We brought Operation Paperclip, right? We brought everybody over uh, to Germany. All right, I mean, <laughs> you're Nazis, but you're smart but, Nazis. Come on over. <laughs> they, they, those are the good old days, right? Yeah. But, I mean, I, I think, so there's a whole list, there's a short term and a long term, but in the short, immediate term, basically, we just have to figure out do we have to go in and protect the sites could we protect the sites it's practically impossible but that's where our military planners have to come in and that's just a frightening concept of yeah American on many levels going into russia to secure nukes i mean it's 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 unknowably it, it it's nearly impossible. And so that's why people are so frightened. Because at the end of the day, this rump state, this petro state that's losing its ability to influence world events by the moment has a massive nuclear arsenal. It's like, it's just massive. It's 6,000 weapons. It's the biggest on the planet. And 
that gives uh gives uh chills uh uh down the spines of every single uh security planner in the United States and around the world, including the Chinese, who don't want to see state collapse either. Yeah, and uh that to me is is but there has been so far not to scare the living shit out of people, but there's been no yeah, indication that that there's no indication that it's a problem now. Correct. But it could become one is what the. the... Now, now, I'm just, you know, guessing here. But one of the good things that, that you see, one of the intriguing things that we've seen uh, of this um, uh, this past year and a half is that we have really good intel into Russia. Yes, apparently we knew uh, uh, like two or three weeks before this happened that it might be happening. And we didn't even tell our allies. <laughs> so we, we, I would say we have real good intel. Let's, and, and so maybe there's a magic man or two in there that we've that got. That we don't know about. That exactly, that's got their eyes on the prize and the crown jewels. The crown jewels is what the nuclear community refers to them as. You know, these are assets. These are these are nation survival tools. This is why North Korea is still North Korea. This is what Iran likes to use to sort of wag in front of our our faces as you know, don't don't go too far. We might get it. You know, this is these are the crown jewels. And uh, if a country has the wherewithal to build them, that country, that leadership of that country is pretty much safe and secure as long as their own people don't uh, take them out. Yes. And then that makes it unsafe and and unsecure or insecure for the entire world the rest of which us is, exactly so does it bother you or is uh, are you happy to hear that we knew a little bit about this beforehand and had an inkling well you know knowing that something is happening and being able to directly predict it are two different things i mean it's been in the public domain for months i think we probably maybe knew a little bit ahead of time that like oh he's gonna move um but it doesn't bother me at all. And, you know, actually what's been funny to watch is the sort of meltdown amongst the pro-Putin far right in the United States. Where Yes, we'll get there in a second, brother. Oh, Hold to that. Please, please <laughs> fast forward to that. Yeah. But but I'm not I'm not at all uh, surprised. I think what surprised Intel and this all, look, our intelligence community knew that Putin was going to invade, but they didn't know that Ukraine was going to resist. Right. Right. And so, yeah. We 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 offered him a a plane ride out, and he goes, "Fuck it, I don't need a I don't need a cab. I need weapons, motherfucker." I mean, <laughs> nobody like like so like this is where that was a seminal moment, Joel. That was a sem. It it surprised a lot of people. I think everybody, everybody, yeah. uh, and that's where intelligence is not predictive of everything. It can provide a snapshot in time of what is occurring, but it can't tell you how it will actually play out. So they may have known Prigozhin was going to do some stuff and maybe, you know, invade and, and push. They probably didn't predict that the Russians would be like, come on in. Come on in. <laughs> Fuck Putin. I ain't getting laid. Bring it in here, brother. That's yeah. I, that was a little, but to your, to your, more to your point, the thing that's that, you know, there's this, there's, all these articles about we knew for you know two three weeks beforehand that something was going to happen. Well, fuck, I can read the news like anybody else. I mean, I I don't think it took a genius or a master planner of intelligence or James Bond to figure out that this guy was pissed and he had fifty thousand soldiers that were on the 
front line. What the fuck do you think he's going to do? <laughs> but you, you know what happened? What triggered Putin, Prigozhin, and triggered Putin was Prigozhin speaking truth to the Russian people. He yeah. said, this was a stupid idea. <laughs> yes. Ukraine was not a threat. Ukraine was not about to attack. This makes no sense. And there, you know, he's thinking like, I'm losing tens of thousands of my guys. These are my private army, my yeah. boys. They're dying on behalf of this stupid idiot idea. And he he's probably been using the attacks on the defense minister he's been leveling as a proxy because he's afraid to go after Putin, right? But it's not the general's fault. It is to a certain extent, but just like in Vietnam, you know, or in Iraq. It, yeah. Generals come to generals go. It's the strategy and it's the decision of the decision maker. And, yeah. And and you could put in another little general and they'll probably have the same damn results. So the issue here is that he spoke truth and then Putin's, you know, got, Putin pissed. got pissed and they attacked. And then when he attacked back and it was like two guys having a fist fight through thousands of troops. And um, and and uh, Putin realized that he was going to go down. So now, in many ways, he's even more beholden to his military and his troops than he was prior to this. Yeah, he's definitely weakened. On that note, we'll take another short break. And when we come back, we're going to have some fun with the Republicans. <laughs> Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, J-A-T-Q Podcast. That's J-A-T-Q Podcast. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast. Hi, we are back. It is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Caraman. With me is Joel Rubin, former Deputy Assistant Secretary of State. Nice, <laughs> under, nice, under, under the... Under the Osama bin Laden administration. <laughs> no, no, that's 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 that's. I I mean I I've heard that so many times from Republicans. You you work for Osama bin Laden, uh, and, and I and I get George Soros money. So uh, you know that's anyway. <laughs> I don't know if you heard George Soros is Jewish. Yes, I. That's, yeah, so is my grandmother. So that's, you know. I know. And so am I. Watch yeah, out. Is, yeah. well, well, what I want to talk about in this, in this little section, Joel, is I one of my favorite tweets was this week I saw, and I tweeted back because I couldn't, could, and it was from a, a Republican who said that, that uh, <laughs> President Biden had mastermind this uh, flip with uh, the Wagner group with the CIA to hide Hunter Biden's crimes. Mind you, this very same person a week ago tweeted out that Joe Biden is suffering from dementia. So I don't know which one it is. Maybe it can be both, I guess in his lucid state, he would go, fuck it, let's kill everybody. But I, I just, you know, yeah. it's such crap coming. And it's really bollocks for those who said that, it was 
it was uh, Trump who had all the answers. It turns out that he had no answers. He didn't even know what the questions were. And the yeah. policy that this administration has taken has led to demonstrable results. So I'll, I'll kick it off. The question being is, how fucked up is that? <laughs> how fucked up is that on a scale of one to ten? It's off the charts. Yeah, it's that's... insane. It's nuts. All right, like a couple like level set facts. First of all, to remind people, the Wagner Group came oh, in yeah. on behalf of Donald Trump to to throw the election for Donald Trump against Hillary Clinton, according to the Mueller report. Right, like so. There's like no love lost between Democrats and the Wagner Group on a yeah. political. We all know about that, but they have been saying for years why because they're war criminals because they are doing what we talked about killing thousands of people stealing land in africa and latin america uh stealing minerals uh committing war crimes in ukraine if we had actually come in on their side what do you think would have happened they would have won right right when Prigozhin turned tail because there is no connection whatsoever it's impossible and it's illegal to be supporting the Wagner Group. They are a sanctioned entity. We just sanctioned them today. It just came out before before this. State Department sanctioned them again for activities overseas in Africa. So the U.S. government will not work with an entity that is sanctioned in a cooperative military push against uh, a, a, a legitimate a, a government. Head of state. Yeah. Head of state. It, it's farcical. There's that. Then B, of course, your point of like the the insane evil genius, somehow that connects. Yeah. But I think there's something darker and deeper underway here. And this is that Putin apologists can't comprehend nor conceptualize nor fathom the idea that Putin is an idiot, that Putin actually launched a ridiculously stupid war and that Joe Biden is effectively countering it and that Donald Trump is on the side, was on the side, and will be on the side of oh, Vladimir Putin. And so to them, it's like Joe Biden has to somehow be on the side of the enemy of Vladimir Putin when no, the enemy of Vladimir Putin is occurring as a direct result of Joe Biden's strong policy on Ukraine. Yeah. What Joe Biden's policy is doing is causing fissures and cracks inside of Russia's elite leadership. You know, that was always the idea. I'll just say one more thing on it. That was always the idea. Like sanctions will force the elites to crack, maybe turn on Putin, you know, all this stuff. That's the theory, the military pressure. But you never know when the crack's going to come, right? Like, do you know when there's going to be a crack showing up in the foundation of your house? No. no. If there's enough rain, enough pressure, there very well may be one. Well, Yeah, it's called math and science and, and facts. <laughs> you put the pressure in, you don't know where the crack's going to be. You know it's going to happen. Bingo. And so now the crack appeared and 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 they just can't handle that Joe Biden's policy is working and that it's right. And that's why the freakouts occurred. They love Putin. They don't think the United States should support NATO. They don't think that that Joe Biden is worthy and they're wrong on all counts. And it's driven him into some kind of weird, circular, dystopian uh, conspiracy theory. And they're trapped. Well, they're just bad shit. Nuts. Yeah. But let's go back. I want you to their heads are 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 trapped and they can't they can't accept the actual facts in front of us. So let's go back to one fact that you mentioned. And I want to dig into that a little bit deeper. The Wagner Group, the Mueller report. Yeah. Tell us. 
Well, you know, we all remember the troll farms and we all remember the digital uh, attacks that that we experienced, you know. Uh, uh, and those were linked to? Those were all Wagner Group. He had the troll farms. That was his work yeah. online. There's an analogy here. It's not perfect, but I'm going to do it. And, and let's just see how this takes. So, so Hunter Biden, the, 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 the conspiracy theory argument is that Hunter Biden's story came out and Joe Biden needed to create a distraction. Let me call that a little bit of what we call gaslighting because well, I, I call I, it bullshit, but go ahead. <laughs> but here, here, hear me out on this one. You and I okay. remember the uh, Hollywood access tapes that came yeah. out. They came out on a Friday. Within hours, the Russians started dumping DNC documents all over the internet. That is Wagner. They actually did the act of trying to kill a negative story on Donald Trump through a disinformation campaign that was led and organized by the Kremlin and Wagner executing it, okay? So um, maybe maybe these people who make that argument about Biden and, and, and all, uh, that, that's their strategy. And they're very frustrated that, uh, you know, that, that uh, they couldn't make it stick uh, on Joe Biden, but it certainly has the hallmarks of the strategy that the Kremlin executed years ago. And, and so for Mueller, Wagner Group, um, if you think about it just a, a little deeper, and it's it's rough to say this, but I'll say it. The fact is that by having Trump in the White House, it enabled Putin to basically get away with murder, get away with whatever he wanted for the four or five years, undermine NATO. Uh, uh, Wagner was the tip of the spear of harming Hillary's candidacy through the online disinformation campaign and the meddling. And it almost worked. You know, if Trump had won in 2020, this would have worked for, for Vladimir Putin. It, it would have been a disaster for the world. Those two were in cahoots together. This they were cahooting, what... yes. They were cahooting. And and it shows. And so uh as we as we come to the end of this uh <laughs> discussion. Common reasonable discussion. Sorry. <laughs> where do you see this? I, I don't know how far out I can project six months from now. By the time of our election in 2024, November, where do you see this situation in Russia? Can anyone even look that far ahead? So Putin invaded Ukraine in a more muscular way than is he invaded over years ago, but about 16 months ago. So fast forward to 16 months from now, you're basically at the end of 2024. That's an eternity. Uh, there are several milestones coming up in the near term that really matter and will be help us to predict what's going to happen. The first one is the current spring offensive that Ukraine has launched that is underway and will be accelerating. During that period- yeah, Without the Wagner people there, it'll be a little easier, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> 50,000 troops have taken a ski daddle. <laughs> I, I, I think the Russian people kind of showed, you know, uh, hey, come this way. Yeah, right we love you. Moscow <laughs> that way. Um, Brings blue jeans. <laughs> but so our you know F-16s are going to get there. Uh, more advanced weaponry. Ukraine's going to be trained with the tanks, and uh, the supply is dwindling for for Russia. Who does it have backing it? It has it has Iran. We 
we they are, are increasingly good. isolated. Yes, but you, isolated. I find the two most isolated it is Russia is isolated. The whole world is has isolated Russia. So how isolated is Prigozhin? <laughs> We may never know. <laughs> yeah, that's until he <laughs> until he washes up on shore somewhere. We, we may, you know, he might get the uh, Jimmy Hoffa treatment. You know, <laughs> it's, oh, I see. <laughs> Underneath the the uh, pitcher's mound, a giant stadium. Gotcha. There he <laughs> is. Uh, you know, but to, I, so I think this is the calendar year uh, of impact, and and you know, we're gonna have domestically a fight in the fall over funding again. Will the Republicans want to shut down the, the 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 government in a fit about spending? And if they do, that could harm the flow of supply out to Ukraine as well. Um, these are critical milestones coming up for the next half year, but it's really the fight on the ground. And Vladimir Putin and Russia could not have had a worse situation than they just experienced over the last several days in terms of being able to resist and withstand this Ukrainian uh, counteroffensive. So uh, we may very well see a moment within the next year, half year to year, where it is time for Vladimir Putin, in his mind, to sue for peace. Uh, but I, I have to say, years ago we thought Assad was on his last legs, and then right. he wasn't, and Russia came in and saved him. So there's always that opportunity. But who's going to come and save Vladimir Putin? That's see my question about project, and the reason why I picked our our. Um our general elections in 2024, I think if he's able to hold on, if Putin is able to hold on through the election, he'll be playing for Donald Trump to take over. And so he can make, so he, he can make a better deal. And then if he doesn't, <clears throat> if he can hold on, if the handwriting isn't on the wall and they don't drag him out, and, you know, uh, pull a Ceausescu on him, you know, if, if, if he's able to, if he's able to hold out, I think that's what he does. But if he's not able to hold out, I think he'll try and strike a deal early. Does that make sense to you? It does. And it does bring up echoes of the, the hostage crisis in 1980. And, yep. you know, will Donald Trump play dirty tricks and talk to Putin about hold out, hold out until I get in. Then when I get in, you announce peace and I look like the hero, you yeah. know, and we're going in order to, to um to give himself a win and and cause more pain that's always possible too you know that's what happened with the republicans it's clear uh, the reagan campaign was was but for putin Republican it's got to be what's out. in it for him and and for putin does he have another year and a half to wait that's the question and i see joel i i was not blindsided by what happened i was surprised when it happened but I think it's an indication that he don't have that much time. I know you want to look at Assad, but this is a completely different dynamic. He is totally I Assad had Putin. Putin got nobody. The the body that Putin had, he just sent to Belarus. So and and one more thing on this, you think about Zelensky versus Putin. Zelensky was this, and now he's expanded his base of support in the country. Yeah. Like Putin was like this, and now his support network is shrunk. Getting and so he very well may not have a year and a half, but it's hard to say when, just like what we're talking about with the yeah. crack. I, I don't. Keeping this pressure on is key. Yeah. 
Well, on that, well, on that high note, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for joining us, Joel. I really appreciate it. You got to come back again. And I, I love these discussions. I, I, you know, you don't get a whole lot of the in-depth stuff. <laughs> Even when I'm talking to the NSC, I'm trying, man. <laughs> but I get into the press they briefing room. I get in the press briefing room and it's like, you know, I get the bumper sticker shit. And I, I, I wanted to, I loved John Kirby for saying what he said. Cause it yeah. was like, yeah. word to the wise, don't cross the Admiral. Okay? Yes. <laughs> or don't just, don't be stupid. <laughs> don't, don't ask a stupid fucking question. Is it a mutiny? Is it a, who gives a fuck what you call it? <laughs> we'll, we'll draft the bumper sticker after it's over. <laughs> I need to tweet about it though. Give me the link. Yeah, I gotta have a tweet. That's I've already seen the meme that uh with uh and I want to get the quote right if I can. Um it's not a bumper sticker. We're not gonna slap a bumper sticker on it, Ed. That's what I that's that's, that's bumper sticker worthy. That line. yeah, that is bumper sticker worthy. <laughs> anyway joel thanks for joining us uh uh we'll catch you next time the name of the show is just ask the question joel where can we find you on twitter at uh joel martin rubin joel there you martin. go we're all Thank we're you. all still on twitter we're surviving elon and that's another story so <laughs> thanks for joining us it is just ask the question i'm your host brian karam thank you for joining us again we'll catch you next time At KPMG, our people make the difference. It's not just something we say, it's what we do. Combining the power of people and technology, we uncover brighter insights, innovate bolder solutions, and create better data-driven outcomes. KPMG, make the difference.